Hey, Kent. Hey, what's up, Michael? I'm super excited about kicking this podcast series off. And to do that, I just wanted to get a better sense of your history as an instructor, as a developer, as an educator, like everything that you've been doing, open sorcerer or you know whatever the cool term is for that now. <laughs> you've done so much. And I know a lot of people might be coming to Epic React without a knowledge of you. And I wanted to uh, just kind of dive in first and foremost to provide a lot of that, that context up front before we do the kind of later episodes where we talk about the specifics of career building. Uh, how does that sound to you? Yeah, that's great. I, I definitely want to make sure that people have a good understanding of the best way to go through not only the Epic Reacts material, but this podcast and kind of zoom out from the React stuff and just like how to think about writing applications and making the world a better place. I love it. I love it. I'm excited. Cool. So I guess the, the first thing is just like going way back. Like when was the first moment the light bulb went off and you were like, you know what? I think I think future Kent might be into something technical. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to to pinpoint an exact moment, but I, there's definitely a series of things that happened that kind of made me interested in the software side, like programming. Honestly, a little bit, uh, I, I drug my feet a little bit like, no, I'm not going to be a programmer. <laughs> there's a bit of a history. So I'll, I'll just kind of get into, into that. When I was a I, I'm not one of those people who is like, yeah, when I was three years old, I was writing my first HTML <laughs> page or something. Um, but uh, I've met but, kids like that at meetups and yeah. it's still weird to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I did have a friend when I was a teenager who was really into programming. And I remember he was making a game and he was going to have it run on a server and just make him millions of dollars and, you know, passive income kind of thing. And I was trying to get in on it somehow. And so he was like, okay, well, I'll teach you how to program. And he said, here's a string. And, or, or he said, this is a Boolean. And I was like, all right, true, false, whatever. Uh, here's a number. I was like, okay, I get that. And then he said, here's a string. And I just didn't understand. It did not make sense to me. I don't know why at this point, like I have you know, the curse of knowledge now. I don't under remember why it was so hard for me to grasp, but I just didn't get it. And so I was like, all right, you go do the programming thing. I'll do something else. I'll go into marketing or something. I don't know. Um, and so that's that's pretty like, I mean, eventually I did do like an HTML page and I, I think I had a MySpace page like, you know. Okay. Um, so I, I did a little bit of copy paste of CSS and stuff, but I never really got into anything as a kid. Uh, when I when I was a kid, actually, I wanted to be a video editor. So I, if you look around a little bit, oh. you can find a ton of the old videos that I made. Uh, Kent Dodds Productions on YouTube. I've got, uh, <laughs> I have one video on there that um, got, um, uh, it was like, picture bringing up MS Paint and <laughs> yeah. and drawing a circle, like a, a smiley face. And then yeah. when you draw the circle for the mouth, don't let go and just hold it there and then move the mouse <laughs> up and down and the it looks like it's talking so that's what it was and it was to a song you know I, I made several of these and the one that got really popular was boulevard of broken dreams by uh, yes yeah see so, this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so somebody actually downloaded that and re-uploaded it to their own thing and that video got four million views <laughs> holy cow yeah. are you serious yeah yeah i i got it taken down i i had mixed feelings about it but enough people told me that i should take it down that i i did and now like my version only has a couple you know a hundred thousand or something like that but <laughs> anyway so that's what i wanted to do i i i always wanted Just to wanna be make in... smiley face video videos <laughs> all day right. yeah <laughs> like 
top 40 one of the most popular songs yeah i did make uh another one pretty recently because somebody re-implemented paint in the browser and i was like oh snap i've got to i gotta try this again so i i made another one but um yeah i i just want like I knew I wanted to get into computers. That was like a given for me. But going into like programming them, I pretty much decided that wasn't going to be a thing for me. I, I do remember doing StarCraft custom campaigns or Age of Empires and stuff and making these custom campaigns. Like a little bit of the programming, that was really interesting to me. Kind of fun making the characters do these different things and say whatever. And and so yeah. there, was, there was a little bit of that. But yeah, actually programming for a career was never really a big thing for me as a kid. So when I went into college, I was deciding what I should major in uh, or what I should start out as my major. And I decided electrical engineering because that was my, what my brother did. I was super into computers. And my brother said, when, when you get a degree in electrical engineering, you can do anything with computers. And so if you want to do video editing, that's, that's fine. I don't think that's entirely true. If I wanted to be a video editor, I don't think electrical <laughs> engineering would have gotten me there. It's so funny because I've, I've talked with so many people who transitioned into programming from electrical engineering. So somewhere wires got crossed and everyone was like, no matter what you want to do in life, electrical engineering <laughs> will get you there. Yeah, it, it didn't work out for me, though, because <laughs> so what ended up happening was I, I did that first semester and to get into electrical engineering, you had a couple programming classes and computer systems and stuff. So I had two programming classes. One was Java. The other one was computer systems. So we learned about transistors and like really low level stuff. I wrote a like a little very small CLI app in zeros and ones. Like it just added two numbers together. That was not fun. <laughs> Like that low level, I just had a really hard time seeing the practical application. And so in my Java class, I did okay. I even like tutored and stuff to help other people out. But like, it was not something that I thought, oh, I, I think I want to spend every day writing code for eight hours. Like that was, sounded like the worst thing ever. So when I went on my mission for two years, a mission for my church and came back, I decided to like, okay, I... I'm going to stick with electrical engineering until I find out what I'm going to do instead. And I took a, a math class, like a refresher class, and I did so bad, super <laughs> bad in that. I mean, it had been two years since I'd done any schooling of any kind, but I didn't think that I should be that bad. And honestly, when I was in high school, I had to take calculus, but I had a free period and I used that free period to go to a second calculus class. So I, I went to my teacher's calculus oh, wow. class twice and uh, I just struggled so hard. But I worked my rear end off and I did some really uh, actually some fun stuff with my calculus, what I learned from calculus in some of my videos. Yeah, it it just worked my rear end off. It was not natural for me. And I was like, I don't want to work this hard. <laughs> I don't I don't even enjoy it that much. So. I decided, okay, if math doesn't work for me, then doing some engineering thing is probably not going to be great. So I bounced around a bunch of uh, majors, ended up in accounting. And luckily, after that first class, I thought, oh, I could do accounting. And then that second class, just like, nope, no way. <laughs> I <laughs> what, what what was it? Do you remember what it was that, that you were like, this is, accounting's not for me? It just was so dull. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, like debits and credits and all of the tax law and like yes just so dull my my dad's an accountant well he he retired a few years ago but he was a cpa so dull like he he enjoyed it there are people who enjoy it i'm glad they exist because i have an accountant and if if people didn't enjoy it then i'd have to pay them more i guess right <laughs> just like <laughs> it, it, it seems to work for people who love to balance things right like i want to see these numbers equal 
zero at the end uh-huh. of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. And like for those type of personalities, that's like so, so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not me. Um, so <laughs> luckily in in starting on my path to accounting, I had to switch my major to the business school. And to get into the business school, you have to take an information systems class. And that we were doing Excel. We did a HTML and CSS thing. And we were doing uh, macros in Excel and stuff. That was like, oh, okay. So programming isn't just about writing compilers and yeah. you know, linked to lists and stuff. There's actually like stuff you can do. You can make the computer solve a problem for you. And so I thought, all right, I luckily I've taken all the classes I need to get into the business school now. I'm just going to switch which business programming in. And I went over to information systems. And right when I got into the program, I got into this job where I worked on uploading videos to YouTube and I had to rip these DVDs and upload them to YouTube, all like legal and everything. And the the process of doing that was like so boring. Uh, like you're, you're sticking in this DVD, you're going to handbrake, you rip the DVD, you yep. get that file, you put it up on YouTube, you got to type in all this stuff. And where we were actually getting these videos is from my church. They gave us permission to, to put these things up on YouTube and they had all of these videos already on their website. And so like, I could just say, okay, well, well actually this is, this is getting ahead of myself. So I actually first wrote a little Java program that um, generated scripts for the handbrake CLI. And so all that I had to do was put the DVDs in and like it would automatically go from DVD to YouTube. And so I sped that oh, up wow. a lot. Yeah, it was great. It was way faster. And actually what I, what I did was I'd uh, copy all the DVD files to the disk and then I just pointed my program at that directory. And so I could spend all my time just getting things copied, boom, 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 and then hit my program and it would go really fast. It was awesome. Uh, and so I learned a lot about like interacting with the, the CLI and interacting with the YouTube API. And then I found out that like all these videos are already on on the church's website and they've already done all the SEO and titles and everything for me. So I just scraped the website, downloaded the videos and uploaded with the same title, the same keywords and everything. And that was awesome. That that was when like it, I, it switched from programming as a chore to programming is a tool. And yeah. I was still not convinced I wanted to be a programmer, but like it started to make sense to me that programming could be a thing that I could, it could be a tool that I could use to uh, enhance whatever it is that I'm trying to do. I love that. Now, we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I have to ask, like, you, you automate this entire system, right? Like, now you don't even have to, like, be the human who puts the DVD in the tray to to rip it. Like, at that point, like, do you like take on more work or do you just go outside and like skate while all these like <laughs> yeah, DVDs right. are going from like the website to YouTube? Yeah. Well, so I was so grateful for my manager who said that I could do this. And as it happens, I think I probably spent an equal amount of time programming it and having the computer <laughs> do it as I would have if I'd just done it myself. <laughs> um, but one of those is more fun than the other. <laughs> and so like while the computer was do like running my program, I would enhance it and add more features and, and make it easier. And, and I wanted to like I wasn't planning on staying at this company forever. I wanted them to be able to use that after I left. I even actually presented this program to the, the board of directors for this. It was a nonprofit, uh, all the donors and stuff. And, and uh, you know, I got all dressed up and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, that was like a really proud moment for me. Like, look at this thing that I created and I'm just an yeah. intern. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, 
It was it was pretty awesome. So you have that you have that success and then kind of like what like opens up in you at that point, right? Like you've you've been able to automate this thing, you've built some tools for that, and you say so you're not quite like in that programmer mindset yet, but like what are you thinking like, okay, well that was actually kind of fun. What does the next like step look like? Yeah, so this is what I mean when I say I was kind of dragging my feet into programming because I I was just so convinced that I didn't want to uh, sit in front of a computer and program for eight hours every day. But I didn't like stop to think that, dude, that is literally what you're doing at, at this job. You spend all of your time programming. And if you didn't like it, then you would not do it so much. Like they didn't ask me to do this thing. I just I was not convinced that's what I wanted to do. And so I like through a series of interesting events that I'm not going to go through in, in uh, our conversation, I got an internship at my church. So the, the very entity that I was like pulling all these videos from, but that's not why they hired me. They had no idea that uh, I was, I had been doing that, or at least not this organization that hired me. But I got this internship to be a business intelligence engineer because I thought that would be, you know, really interesting. I, I remember uh, talking to one of the hiring managers and I was just like, I think I could sit in front of Excel all day and just like numbers <laughs> and whatever and like <laughs> no no that is not that is not true um i may have thought that of myself but that is not true so like i i enjoyed making macros and stuff and like making these numbers go but yeah so i i do this business intelligence engineer thing and i'm lear learning about etls and all this you know star schema and and all this stuff you know database level stuff and at some point in that internship, the guy who'd been assigned to, to kind of guide me, my mentor, I guess, he said, hey, Ken, I wrote this, this Java program that uh, sends out these reports to people based on these, uh, these reports that we generate. So it just automatically emails the report so they don't have to go and check it themselves. I need to make a couple of changes and you know Java, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I, I can do that. And so I, I do and I, add, I fix this bug or whatever. And I'm like, huh, that was interesting. What if we added this feature? And then what if we added this? And then what? <laughs> and pretty soon my entire internship was just working on this little tool. And when I was done with that internship, um, I was pretty much exclusively on that tool. And my, I remember my uh, my manager was like, hey, don't you want to like do some business intelligence stuff? Like, you know, he's he's thinking of me and what I want to get out of my internship. And I was like, not really. <laughs> I'm kind of liking this. Uh, so I think that's around the time where I started to think, you know, I think programming is kind of fun. Um, I, I kind of want to do this. And so I, I eventually shifted from there to Domo in like a, a QA automation engineer type role. I did no testing there whatsoever, actually. I, I never got off the ground before they stole me over into the UI team where I learned JavaScript. And that one was when it was solidified for me. So I'd been spending all this time doing Java and that was was fun. But when I r came up to JavaScript, it like the whole game changed. It was so much easier for me to do stuff with JavaScript than it yeah. ever had been with Java. And I was like, wow, so I can have the the fun and satisfaction that I have with Java and get that easier with JavaScript. And And, and not only that, but I can do... Like I'd been doing Java swing UIs and stuff and like not easy to do that stuff. But like JavaScript, that's for the browser. I can I can make this thing. I can put it on the Internet. I can send it to my family and they can use this. Whereas with with Java, like just making a .exe file so I could have it install yep. installable was such a pain. But like this, you just go to this URL and boom, it's there. And, and like my feedback cy cycle is so much faster. Like 
everything was better for me with JavaScript. And so that was when I was like, yep, I'm going to be a programmer. This is what I'm going to do. Now, around what era of JavaScript was this? Because JavaScript has had like a lot of phases. So I'm just, you know, for the for completeness, you know, what does JavaScript look like at this point where you you, you see it and you're like, this is this is it. This is the future. Yeah, yeah. So this was 2012. It was like the the fall of 2012 is when I made this this switch. And so we were doing uh, Backbone and RequireJS. Okay. And uh, so we weren't quite like vanilla stuff. I know like tons of companies were still doing vanilla and, and server rendered everything. Yep. We were 100% client side. Wow. Um, well, yeah, like mostly client side stuff and, and interacting with APIs and stuff. So we're, I think Domo was pretty forward thinking and uh, for mm. its time at that time, that was not really as common. But yeah, so we were all over on Backbone and it was maybe like a year, maybe a little less than a year before we started to um, investigate AngularJS. Good times in those those earlier days. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Like the, the I think the the industry right now is such a different JavaScript than like what you and I came up in, right? Like there was a mm-hmm. there was a lot of vanilla JavaScript. There was a lot of jQuery. Backbone was kind of like the first, maybe like frameworky thing that we'd seen, but it was tiny and it mm-hmm. basically required that you have you know use jQuery for a lot of stuff anyway. Yeah, and yeah. Um, there was just like a but like require was pretty cool because now you could like import scripts and like yeah yeah you it, got it modules felt like now. A, yeah, it felt like a first class programming language instead of just like this browser scripting thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But Angular, uh, you mentioned Angular, that kind of felt like maybe one of the first like real frameworks, like ground up frameworks for the web. So tell me about your transition kind of into Angular. And uh, I know you had a podcast, Angular Air. Like, what did that time for Kent look like? Yeah. So I, I'd been working at Domo for a while and this was still part-time, like 20 hours a week uh, while I was still in school. And I, before I signed on with Domo, I'd already gotten an internship signed for the summer at uh, USAA in Texas, San Antonio. They have some cool tech. Yeah. Yeah. They, some really cool tech. Yeah. Yeah. They like, they like to brag about that, how they were the first ones to create the deposit uh, like the mobile checked. deposit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is cool. That was, that was really cool. But that like literally every time I heard them do a sales pitch for themselves, it was always like, well, we were the first ones to do it. <laughs> got old after a while, but uh, it was yeah. like a one trick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they do have lots of cool stuff and I had an awesome experience there, but that was where I learned that like maybe big enterprise is not my thing uh, because like, yeah, I spent l- like, most of my internship just getting my system running, like my my computer mm. working uh, on their um, infrastructure, and and we were transitioning away from some thing that like their own engineers had built, like some framework. We were transitioning from that to Wicket, which is a Java framework that, uh, and this is like a UI front end UI stuff, but it okay. was Java that was already ten years old and was seeing a like downturn in um, <laughs> usefulness in the world uh, and, and at an age where like frameworks like angular are starting to come up and they were jumping on the train that's going down and so like they just it just moved way too slow especially move coming from a startup like domo i was just like no nope, i'm not this is not my scene as fun as it was and as awesome of a company they are uh, and so during that time i was kind of nervous that I was going to become irrelevant. Mm. 
for because everybody at Domo, like right before I left, it was like the week before I left, we had this workshop that one of our uh, one of the employees, Dave Geddes, uh, people may know him. Uh, he gave this workshop about Angular, uh, Angular JS, and I was like, "Wow, this is really interesting, really cool." And so the whole summer after I finished at work, I was working on it, side projects um, with Angular JS, and I was reading books about Angular JS. You know, at the time, there was like, I should say, book about Angular JS, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, it was like a O'Reilly book by, uh, um, you know, by the creator stuff, and yeah, just learning as much as I could about. And actually, I think that was literally the last book I've ever read. <laughs> I don't read. I don't read books anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was uh, a pretty interesting summer because I spent my day just fighting the red tape, and then my evenings trying to keep myself relevant so that when I went back, I'd have my old job back. Um, but uh, yeah, fun times. <laughs> interesting. Now, I, I know a lot of people kind of feel that tension quite a bit, right? Because they have a they have a job that they're super grateful to have, but the technology is not exciting. And yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like you're just like punching a time card during the day. And then like on like evenings and weekends, they're really like filling their brain with the thing that excites them and the thing that is moving forward. So is that kind of like how you got into uh, JavaScript Air and like podcasting and or video casting or whatever it was. I know it was a live show. Yeah, yeah. So I got back to to Domo. Started. We we were all moving over to Angular JS. I finally graduated and got a full time job. That whole story is really fun. Uh, I've got a blog post that has a, a lot more of this uh, context, but you can check that out later. But uh, yeah, so. I was only at Domo for a short while before I got hired over at another company and just really started getting into the Angular thing. I, I started working at uh, or uh, producing videos for uh, Egghead, all about Angular, and yeah, just really getting involved in the Angular community. And so at some point, Todd Motto and I started talking a lot. Uh, he's still very big into the Angular scene. And I just thought, you know, it'd be cool if, if we could do some sort of talk like at the time google hangouts was a big thing and they had just released hangouts on air i think and i said well, what if we did hangouts on air so it was streamed to youtube and you and i could just talk about angular stuff and he's like yeah sure let's do it so it was never really we didn't expect that to turn into a podcast it was just going to be this youtube thing and we're getting ready to you know we've already announced that we're going to do this thing we're getting ready to do our first show and my buddy Aaron Frost was like, dude, for your first show, you can't just have like John Lindquist was our first guest. He's like, you want the Angular team. And so he got us hooked up with the Angular team uh, for our <laughs> episode zero. And it was awesome. It went like really well. And so like that first day, I was like, I think we should make this a podcast. And so I took the audio and I, I put it out on a podcast and it became, you know, the I, I'm pretty sure it was and probably still is the most popular Angular podcast um, wow. right now. Yeah, that it may be uh, behind uh, Adventures in Angular. I'm not sure because he's kind of got an empire. But yeah, it, it was a pretty pretty big big deal. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, what did you learn from that experience? Because um, I, I, I how or actually, how long did you run Angular Air for? Just about a year. A uh, year. Yeah, because that when I started it. It was a couple months after I'd graduated, and then it was about a year after that that I switched over to PayPal. And when I went to PayPal, I, I switched to React. So yeah, I, I didn't want to run the Angular show when I'd switched over to React already. 
I know, I know. There, I remember a transition where you transitioned it from like Angular Air to JavaScript Air. Was that around the same time? Yeah. So I decided, like, I had a, a sizable panel of people who were um, helping with uh, with the show, and it was awesome. And I, they still wanted it to go. So I was like, well, here you go. Let me just hand it off to you, and you can you can keep it running. It's still going, as far as I know. I'm pretty sure it's still going. I, I still wanted a podcast. I like I enjoyed it. I just didn't want to do the Angular side. And so I thought, well, I'm switching over to React. Maybe I should do React Air. Um, but I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to be with React for forever. Um, <laughs> and honestly, the thing with React is that as as much material as there is, you know, uh, clearly <laughs> React podcast has got never ending uh, source of material. Um, I wanted to go bigger than that. And so that's when I decided, let's do JavaScript Air. And so yeah. I started JavaScript Air. I got a, a panel of really awesome people. The last episode of that I was host of on Angular Air, we made this big announcement. Um, Kyle Simpson was was um, on there as a guest awesome. and he was going to be a panelist for JavaScript Air. So we announced it together. And then for the first episode of JavaScript Air, which I think was the very next week, I had Brendan Ike on. So I uh, started with the creator of JavaScript crazy it was awesome yeah <laughs> and then at the end uh, i i think that ran for about a year somewhere around a year uh and then i decided to sunset that as well uh, and nobody i really felt like I, I didn't feel like anybody really was the one that should take it and so i just sunset it completely uh and we ended our last episode was with brendan ike as well so it was kind of you know nice bookend so that that one's Good. And there are lots of those episodes that are still very relevant today. So um, podcasting was always a pretty big thing for me. And, and I still podcast. So I, I have this little three minute podcast. I know, you know, you, you use uh, Briefs FM yep. uh, sometimes. <laughs> Some, <laughs> uh, on yeah, I, I haven't been <laughs> in, super involved on that recently, but I, I still do. I love sometimes. that format, though. Yeah. Yeah. Format's three minute great. podcast is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, I, I still do that occasionally. And then I have the Chats with Kent podcast that I really enjoy. I do that as like a seasonal batch of episodes. So yeah, podcasting has always been kind of a big thing. And and mostly is motivated all all the way from the beginning with Todd. It was, I want to ha- chat with people about tech stuff. Yeah, And so that's where my whole desire for podcasting comes from. I, I remember listening to other podcasts and I'm in the car and they're saying something and I just start talking to him and like, <laughs> I promise I am okay in the head, but it was just like, I want to participate in this conversation. Yeah. I have yeah, things yeah. to say. And so that's, that's kind of what motivated the podcasting. Well, I really like the, the kind of, I guess it's not the final form. I'm sure that it will take on uh, other forms in the future, but I really like where you landed on um, right now. Uh, the, the chats with Kent format is really great. You know, they're really consumable, like 30 minute episodes on a very focused topic. Um, I think it's pretty, it's pretty great. Yeah, thank you. I, I enjoy it. So you mentioned, you know, at this point in your career, you are now at PayPal, which is a pretty big name. And I was actually surprised kind of to find out that, you know, at this point, they were already on the React train, because kind of as you had mentioned before, you know, big companies move pretty slowly with technology. And so a company as big as PayPal to be on something that was probably only like a couple years old at that point, at least in the public space, is pretty impressive. So what did you find there as you were kind of coming into PayPal and React? Yeah, so around this time, I I had already been like super involved in um, open source stuff and really interested in making sure that wherever I 
work is uh, like cares about open source. USAA, I never felt like was super involved in that. It was just kind of like a thing that happens and we do our own thing, not invented here syndrome kind of thing. But PayPal has always been like way into the open source thing. And and I, I want to be fair. I'm sure like there are plenty of people at USAA who um, are like awesome developers. They I know that they use React, they use Angular, you know, they're doing open source. But PayPal has always been like they were they were the first large company to adopt Node. They they mm. made Node like a real they uh, and in fact they're they're really into Node. They do a lot of stuff um like they're on committees and stuff like that. So that like even before I even thought about working at PayPal, that attracted me to PayPal. I was like, wow, that's really cool that they're like so forward thinking about this new node JavaScripting. And then when I like, I kind of fell upon the team that um, that was just starting using React. And I, I don't think that I would have been interested except for that, uh, that reason. Because mm. uh, at this point in my career, I was really interested in getting into React. I, I wanted, and I talked to my, my boss and, he was like, yeah, well, you just really can't get you some React stuff. Like, we've got this admin portal. It's all in Angular. You built it, Kent. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I I can't give you time to just rewrite the whole thing in React. And I totally respect that. Like, it would not have made business sense to do that. And so I was like, well, that business sense is not going to have me anymore. <laughs> I, I want to go move on to, you know, the latest stuff. And so, yeah, anyway, I ended up with... Uh, you know, on, on the cross-border transactions, uh, you know, sending money to friends across the seas team at PayPal. Uh, first team really using React. They were using Redux and, and all of the latest Webpack and all that uh, fun stuff. Yeah, I was really like, it, I was hesitant because I was like, oh no, big company. But it, it was very different, a very different experience where right. I felt like I was given the autonomy to do the stuff that I wanted to do. I could use the open source projects I wanted to use. I didn't have to get a like, you know, some sort of sign off thing. They were using GitHub Enterprise and they were using like all of the tools that I was used to in working with my open source stuff. And because they were so into open source, they gave me a lot of freedom to be able to do a lot of open source stuff. They were also not threatened by my presence in the community and they were happy to have me go to conferences and, and, uh, and all, like the podcasts and everything else that I was doing. Uh, they were more than happy to give me the time to do those things. So it ended up being a really good good thing for both of us. I did a lot of really cool stuff at PayPal. Yeah, now I know we'll dive into a lot of um, the work that you did in later episodes, but it feels like, at least from, from what I know of your story, that this was a very formative time and that freedom was super formative for you because it allowed you the opportunity to start teaching kind of in a local way and then expanding that out to teaching in a more global kind of community way. Yeah, I I'd already started doing lots of that. I was really fortunate in that the company I'd worked at before PayPal called Alianza, and my boss was the CTO. It was a pretty flat, small company. And when I got hired on there, I was like, hey, listen, I've got this conference that I'm scheduled to go to. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize this, but it's actually overseas. It's in Sweden. Um, and they're like, yeah, cool. We'll, we'll pay for you to because actually the conference didn't didn't pay for my flight. So they paid for me to fly out there because, like, frankly, I provided an, a ridiculous amount of value to that company. And so mm -hmm. they were really, really happy to keep me happy. And they even got a, a foosball table because I said I'd quit. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was being facetious, but like we were we were pushing a really hard delivery before Christmas and stuff. And I was like, if I get back after the new year and we don't have a foosball table, then I'm out. 
<laughs> but still, they did. They got. I one. love this theme of kind of like knowing your own value and being like, "Hey, if you want me, if you want this, you got to take all of it." And that requires a foosball table. Yeah, like, that's deal right. with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when my kids are older and and tall enough to not get smacked in the face by the foosball like sticks, then we're gonna get a foosball table. <laughs> But uh, of course, I was joking. I, I wouldn't have quit. I'm, I'm not that pretentious. But <laughs> anyway, um, I, I was already like speaking internationally. I actually started making egghead videos two companies before that. And so like my at, at Domo, like I'd, I'd been like two months out of school before I started doing egghead stuff. Wow. Uh, and so I, I always really enjoyed the, the teaching aspect. But what was cool about PayPal specifically was that they not only allowed me to do this extra stuff on the side, but they also had a huge amount of engineers who wanted to learn from me. And what that meant was PayPal was more than happy to have me work on um, workshop material during like, well, I was on the clock because I would take that and I would deliver it to their engineers, giving them a silly amount of value, uh, you know, like, at companies, I can charge like 25 grand for a, right. you know, a workshop for them. And so, yeah, I was saving them tons of money and giving them huge amounts of value for this workshop stuff. So I, I split my time when I was at PayPal, I split my time doing PayPal open source stuff, PayPal product stuff, PayPal infrastructure stuff, and teaching PayPal engineers. And then lots of that like was just all going back into my head of like different things that I could teach and different things that I, I can open source and like it just churned, it turned into this machine that uh, that PayPal got rolling uh, because of the the freedom and autonomy that they gave me, which like, I can't thank them enough for that. Like I, I was able to give them so much value for the things that I produced there. I, I may not have been the best product engineer. Like I didn't make all the, you know, the widgets and whatever. I I definitely helped in, in uh, several products at, at PayPal, but I... I was the one that helped get all of our tooling on the same page. Um, I got our uh, like everybody's understanding of how to build React applications and how to test those applications, uh, how to adopt the new ES6 syntax that was coming out, all of that stuff. That was more of the, the role that I kind of gave myself at PayPal. They never asked me to do any of those things, but I was like, these are the this is how I can make my time at PayPal the most effective. And it worked out really well. That's awesome. When you left PayPal, um, you started doing content creation, workshops, all that stuff. And your first, at least from what I know from the outside, your first like real breakout success was testing JavaScript. And you mentioned kind of that being one of the things that you had helped integrate um, at PayPal and kind of develop the the patterns around. Is that experience part of the inspiration for that course? And then how is it kind of augmented by other things that you learned? Testing JavaScript is definitely the big, like the, was a huge breakout. Like I, I had no idea how successful <laughs> testing JavaScript would be. Uh, I kind of saw it as like, well, let's take eight courses that I make on Egghead and combine that. And that will be what testing JavaScript is, which like by itself is enormous, but this was way beyond that. So yeah, where testing JavaScript came from was I had all of this material on testing. I, I developed this uh, some opinions about testing, uh, mostly from my open source stuff. I started creating these open source libraries. People started using them. People started contributing to them. And I wanted to be able to release those without worrying about breaking stuff. 
And yep. so to, to do that effectively, you either have to pull all the changes down, you know, run through your, uh, I had like a page that had all of the, used all the features or whatever. And I like manually test that. It's like, this is not going to work. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so I learned about automated testing and that's how I got into it. And as you, the more you do it, the more opinions de you develop about it. It's sure. just based on experience. And so when I was at uh, PayPal, I, I, well, this was all the way back at Domo that I started doing that. And, and so then at every company I went to, I started, uh, I added a bunch of tests and I started developing opinions on uh, good tests versus tests that are less good. I don't want to say bad tests, but yeah, some tests are actually really bad. So I guess I'll say bad tests. Brittle or fragile tests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> tests that are worthless uh, <laughs> or worse than worthless. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, like give you a false sense of security. So <laughs> anyway, so I developed these opinions and and, and I was using all of these tools. Uh, like I, I've used every test runner that like leading up until just where I realized, okay, this is the thing. And actually I used the previous jest, which was not the thing. It was so bad. Uh, and then Christoph just came in and changed everything and, and made it amazing. And now it's the thing. So I just developed all these opinions. I was like, I'm going to encode these ideas and opinions into a workshop so I can teach my coworkers so that I can, uh, like they can also experience the sweet joy that is useful tests, tests that give you confidence. And that workshop ended up being split into a couple workshops. And then I had, you know, even more. And eventually I could, uh, like, I I have this tendency, or I, I used to, I, I've learned now, but I had this tendency to say, I can teach like this world of material in a single day workshop. I, I took that and split it up into like eight workshops. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and once I had that, then I started uh, like teaching that outside of uh, PayPal. And I taught it for front end masters. I worked with Ryan Florence. He did this workshop me thing. And so I started teaching that elsewhere. Uh, I taught it at a conference. And eventually I was like, hey, Joel at Egghead, I want to make a course out of this stuff, but it's more than just one course. It's like several. And he said, hey, I've got an idea. How about we just do your own thing? And we'll, we'll do all our normal stuff that we do, except we'll make it a special website just for you. And I said, okay, that sounds cool. I, like, that sounds awesome, actually. You take care of, like, do all the normal stuff that you do. We both do the normal things that we do, except we're just going to do it on a different domain. And so even all of the videos and everything are hosted on Egghead infrastructure. Everything's the same. And so, like, the only reason that worked out was because it was just so much material. And so I worked on this in the evenings for months you know, and of course, I've been working on the workshop material for, for months. Like yep. this is years of work of developing these opinions and then encoding those into workshops and then recording those into these videos. And then finally, we, we get it published on testingjavascript.com. We launch and I, you know, in just a couple of weeks, I double my PayPal salary. I, I make twice my PayPal salary in like the first <laughs> month. And so <laughs> I'm just like, Whoa, wait a second. And like, this is, this isn't just like we're, we're charging through the nose for, you know, for a Toyota Camry or something like this is the, pr the premium package. Like you want to learn testing. This is the place to do it. And you're going to increase your salary because of the things that you learn. Like so many people have told me they got a raise or they got a promotion or, you know, they changed jobs because of what they learned. So like, this was an enormous amount of value that I, I gave to a huge number of people. And I, I just, for some reason, hadn't considered that, like that translated into more than twice my PayPal salary. And, and that was just like in the launch. And then there's the long tail, like the launch is where you make most of the money, but then there's a long tail of people who sign on later. And I realized then 
that like, oh, I guess I don't need my PayPal salary anymore. <laughs> like I can just do this all the time instead of killing myself, you know, every night for a couple of months uh, and, and like sacrifices on uh, my wife's part and my kids. You know, yep. of course, I wouldn't do this until after the kids go to bed. Like I, I couldn't do it because they're too loud. So I had to wait till the kids go to bed. <laughs> but I, I wanted to hang out with, with my wife and I wanted to like just take a bath or something, you know, like I, I wasn't able to do that during this time. And so I was like, if I just do this all the time with my like full time, then I don't have to I don't have to do this in the evenings. Uh, and that I I'd, even before testing JavaScript, I'd actually started thinking maybe I could do this thing full time like this testing JavaScript is probably going to I think it is going to do OK. And so if it does well, then I, I might be able to to ditch my PayPal salary and just do this full time. And so that's like in the back of my mind, we launched this thing, it explodes and I'm like, yep, I'm gone. As soon as <laughs> you know my my PayPal stock vests, then I'm out. And um, and that's what happened. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so that's kind of, you know, where you went into kind of full time content creation, course creation, education, workshops and all of that, which yep. kind of brings us to now the Epic React podcast. And um, I think this is probably like maybe a good place to close for today, because over the rest of the episodes, we're going to talk about the role of open source, kind of how to stay relevant, what to look for in your job, open source, all that kind of stuff um, in the episodes to come and how that relates to React and everyone's career. So I am excited to talk to you about all of that in the next one. Excited about it as well. I think <laughs> it's going to be a good time. All right. See you, Kent. See ya.